Good morning, good morning. If you would, would you take out your worship bulletin? I want to go over a couple quick announcements before we get started here. First of all, don't forget this is Alabaster Month, and we are collecting, remember, 100% of the funds that come in for Alabaster goes to build churches, goes to help out with ministry, hospitals, schools, both inside the U.S. and outside the U.S. So if you can save your change or if you want to be nice and save the green stuff and put it in that box, we'd love for you to fill it up. And then just drop it off. You can put it back there on the offering plate or give it to one of the counters and they'll take that and uh, we'll collect that. So if you can, don't forget, this month is Alabaster Month. We're also taking up a collection for... Um, Freedom Sunday, and we have a we have a video that we want to show you. I don't know if you guys are ready yet, uh, but this kind of just talks a little bit about Freedom Sunday and explains what we're talking about. And then I'll I'll tell you a little bit more about that. But are we ready for that, guys? Sorry about that. So that is the basics of Freedom Sunday. Here, here's some statistics that uh, you saw there. 40 million people trapped in slavery today. 30 million are in the sex trade. And we're talking about children that are being trafficked. Uh, a couple years ago, we read a, a book that was talking about Nepal and how that works. And there'll be these men that come to these villages, these villages that are way out and remote, and they'll be like, hey, we've got, a, we've got a job for your young daughter or young son. Would you let them come with us and we'll, we'll give you some money now, more money that they've ever seen in their entire lifetime. And then they'll be able to, your kids will be able to send money back home. And they just take these kids and they never see their parents again and they're put into this awful uh, abusive trade. Um, it's in the U.S. It's outside the U.S. Philippines is is one of those places that is hit hard. They say there are 300,000 people um, that go from just Japan to the Philippines to visit these brothels that are there. Uh, 
the Nazarene church is trying to do something about it. We're trying to rescue people. In the Philippines, we have the Shechem House where we rescue young ladies, young men, and get them out of there and not only rescue them, but we also teach them a trade. We, we help them with the mental abuse that's come from that and to, to fight that and to get through that. Um, they can live there. They have a safe place there. Uh, Freedom Sunday is all about collecting money. First of all, it's all about letting people know about it, but then we also want to do something about it. So we're asking you, would you give towards that? Would you help support that ministry? If you would, just put some, uh, just put an envelope back in there. We don't pass the, the, the plates uh, because we want this to be a, just you wanting to give. We don't want to make people feel awkward or anything like that or guilt you into giving, but would you consider supporting this ministry? You know, we're going to support it, my family. Um, every month we give money towards this cause, human trafficking. There's, there's more slaves today than at any point in the course of human history when slavery was even legal. There's more today, and that just blows my mind. There's, there, it's going on in the U.S. It, Toledo is a hotbed for this. And so we need to do something about it. Um, so I hope you join in with me and my family and join in with the, the church in a large part and to, to help stamp this out and, and tell people about it. Tell people about what's going on and, and let's be praying about it. Pray for, pray for the people that are being abused. You know, it's not just sex. It's also, you know, people are being pressed into, the, into um, actual slave labor where they're making bricks and, and doing things like that. You, you've seen the stories about kids being taken for armies, right, and handed an AK-47. Um, we want to do something about that. And, and if God lays something on your heart, even beyond giving, explore that, right? Go with that. Check that out, all right? So if you would, join me, though, in, in, in giving some money back there and just label it Freedom Sunday. You can bring it in. Anytime doesn't have to be today. Maybe you weren't expecting that or ready for that, um, but I'd love to see us give a good amount towards that. All right. Um, praise God, we have the, the van ministry going. Big thank you to Mikey. He's been running on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. We've been picking up three young girls for that. They didn't make it today, um, but I just praise God that we're, we're doing that, and there's some other people that you're regularly picking up. If you need a ride, or if you know somebody, maybe you're a grandparent and you can't make it on a Wednesday and you want your grandkids to go, let us know. You know, get the parents' permission, of course. But uh, we'll gladly come pick it up. We have, we have a van driver. We also have a helper, so it's very a safe environment. We'll make sure they get buckled in and um, everything like that. So if you need that, just make sure that you contact us. Would you also mark down the fall festival coming October 16th? We can't wait to do that. We're going to have lots of events for kids and uh, adults will have the, the chili cook-off, the chili contest there. So uh, if you want, get your chili recipe ready, and we'll, we'll love to see that and taste that and everything like that. Um, if you are part of either the board, Sunday school or church board, just need board members. I need you for five minutes right after the service. So we'll meet in the teen room right afterwards. Like I said, five minutes, I promise it'll be less than that, and then get you out of there. All right, I think that's all I have. Would you stand with me? Next Sunday is Volunteer Appreciation Sunday. 
So we are going to say thank you to all the people that do so many things for this church. And uh, just let you know that we're, we're really appreciative of all that you do. So make sure you stop out for that. But let's pray. We want to we turn our attention toward the King of Kings, right? We want to give him glory. We want to give him the honor that he's due. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for the ability to corporately gather together and worship. Lord, we give you all praise and honor for all that you've done. Lord, if it was, it was just dying on the cross, that would be more than enough. But Father, you do so much more than that. And so we give you all praise, Lord. Help us to, to focus in on you. Lord, we, we pray for this horrible thing that's going on in our world today this human trafficking. Lord, we pray that you would break the bondage. Lord, I pray that people that are involved in this, who are using this to make money, Father, I pray that you would set them free from the bondage that they're in, that you would show them the error of the ways, that you would draw them out of that lifestyle, and I pray that they would fight it. Lord, I pray that you would give our world leaders wisdom, Lord, and that you would use the government to fight it as well. But Father, I pray that you would raise up the church, most of all. Lord, we are in every corner. Lord, help us to be a safe place that people can come to. Help us to look for people that are trapped in this bondage and be agents of your grace. Lord, no matter where we're at. Father, and we pray for the people that are trapped. Lord, I pray that they would come to know you that they would find the freedom that's in you, Lord. Father, be with them. Lord, we, we give you all praise and we give you all thanks. You have right of way in this service. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Shout out your praise, there's joy in the house of 
and you know, Sunday morning you got to get up, and if you have children, you know, the children always cooperate. They're always ready to go, and they're eager, and you don't have to worry about it. You know, it's always just easy to come to church, isn't it? Why do we do it? No, I, I know some people come to church because it's the thing to do on Sunday morning. I know some people that go to church because they make social contacts and it's good for business to meet other people in business there. And, and there are a lot of reasons why we come to church, but I think most of us come to church because when we come here, we find a community of people who love Jesus. We are part of that community. We're part of those that share with each other. I, I was struck this morning by taking all the prayer requests. I'm struck by the fact of how we care for each other, think about each other, pray for each other. It is a, a community of faith. And that's what the Apostle Paul wrote about in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He talked about the church. He talked about the church being what I call a community of people who love Jesus Christ. So if you have the Bibles or your iPads or your telephones, however you read the word, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 this morning. I'm still on my own, you say. How's that? Hello there. That's better. Thank you. I didn't want to sure I turned it over right anyway. Right. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to ask you to stand again as we look at God's word. Let's begin with chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all the saints throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the suffering of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. And we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanksgiving on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Paul needed prayer. You and I need prayer. And we pray for each other in the community called the church. Thank you, and please be seated. When I was still pastoring back in Mount Vernon First Church, uh, at 9.30 every Tuesday morning, we had what we call staff meetings. 
And there we would uh, meet in my office with that staff meeting, and we'd go over the church calendar every, every Tuesday and discuss events and problems that we faced. And at the end of every week's staff meeting, I would ask our visitation minister, I would ask him about prayer requests for the people of our church, those that were in the hospital, those that were having surgery and they're ill. And you know, on those very rare Tuesdays, there would be some Tuesdays where there was not a single name on the list of anybody who was in the hospital. And what a happy, unusual circumstance that was, that at least for that particular day, every member of the church family, as far as we knew on that day, was reasonably in decent health. But, but reality reminds me this morning that, that for all of us here today, that at any moment, at any time, that happy condition can change in any church that we know. In fact, I suppose there's really no moment in time where, where I suspect there's not a member of this church somewhere who is hurting and in need. Brought to me again this morning by the prayer request we had. Someone who is discouraged and in the need of hope. Someone is, who is grieving and needs comfort and help this morning. And, and, and we need that as part of the church. Now, I don't want to sound morbid this morning, but once in a while as pastors, we see things that I think really impress us. I, I was conducting a graveside service at a cemetery a while back for one of the members of the church. And as I read the scripture and made a few remarks and had a time of prayer, during the committal service there, something moved. And when I looked, I could see a couple of men who stood apart from the rest of us. They were the members of the cemetery work crew who were there to take care of their business. They were simply doing their job, waiting patiently for the service to end. And it seemed to me almost out of place for them to be there with all the grief-stricken people around there. And then it occurred to me, they were just, that was a common occurrence for them. They were merely observing our grief. Now, as members of the church, you and I don't have that kind of luxury. We cannot be just observers of the grief and the hurts of others. We must share in that grief. For we are members together of the body of Christ. We are fellow worshipers in our faith. Remember the Bible challenges us. It says to we are to weep with those that weep. And we are to laugh with those who laugh. And as Christians this morning, God really provides for you and me a relationship in a person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't follow some kind of philosophy, but we follow a living Christ who because of the resurrection is alive and at work among God's people. But I think our faith also provides for us not just a relationship with Jesus, but it provides for us what I've already been talking about, a community. All of those who believe in Christ join in a community together and live together in that relationship, not only with the Lord Jesus Christ, but you and I learn to live with each other. Christianity has never believed in an isolated practice of our faith. But we have a faith that has to be lived out in the context of community. 
Now, there's an interesting thing to note in how community is defined in the dictionary. The dictionary says it's a, a unified body of believers, people with a common interest, a group of people with common characteristics, and all of those definitions are good definitions of the church. We are unified in a central belief about Jesus Christ. We have a common interest of caring and serving, and we share a common thing, uh, sharing our experience of the good news of Jesus Christ and his amazing love with the world around us. Now, the question that I have to raise this morning is, what kind of community, what kind of community does the faith and this relationship we have with Jesus Christ, what kind of community does it produce? Well, I think there are several foundations this morning that are given to us in the text. And the first one, I believe, is very obvious in that the church is a community of faith. Do you know that? The church is a community of faith. The church is not a center of activities, though we have lots of activities in the church. The Apostle Paul makes it very clear, the church is a faith community. He said to the Corinthian church that this letter is addressed to the church of God, and Paul is very precise about that, not God in general, not just any old God, but the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The church is a community of faith that is centered on the foundation of belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is not a political, political community. Though we live in a world of political activity, and in the church we encourage people to get involved in the public arena as a vital part of their church, but it's not a political community. The church is not a social fellowship. Though we socialize with each other, and we reach out to impact things in social conditions. And the church is not a club not a club. It, it's a covenant relationship. There are no dues demanded here. There's no entry fee required, but you and I are required to give as God has prospered us. And there's some very clear instructions in the Bible about giving on us, and we have a central responsibility to give the first fruit of our income, which the Bible calls the tithe. The church is a community of faith. It is a community centered on God. Now, the Gallup organization, and you know they do a lot of in-depth kind of things, polling. They tell us that people go to church with one basic expectation. Have any idea what that is? Why people go to church, there are one basic expectation. Gallup organization says they go to church to experience God. They go to church to experience God. And that's not an unreasonable expectation because we are a community of faith centered on the worship of God. Now, now Phillips translates the reality of that community of, that, that lives by faith and not by fear by saying nothing can daunt us. Someone asked me, Pastor Mike, 
with all the violence that we see around us. I don't know about you, uh, but I, 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 I watch the news every day. I watch Columbus television, and it seems to me like Columbus has become the wild, wild west with 150 homicides already this year. And, and they say, well, with all the violence that's around us, with all the things that are simply ripping our society apart, with all the things happening in our nation and in our world, with all the troubles that are around all the world where people are killing each other every day because of racial or ethnic or, or political hatreds. Pastor Mike, are you, aren't you pessimistic about our world? And my response is, not really. Not really. Now, I'm deeply concerned about it, and I want us to do whatever we can to remedy some of those things, but I'm not pessimistic. And I'm not pessimistic for one reason, and that is because I believe our God is sovereign. I believe our God is sovereign, and the church as a community of faith upholds me in that belief. There was a novelist writer by the name of Thomas Hardy in one of his works. Pictured God as an unconscious deity who was blindly knitting. Not a very helpful picture of God, I would think. That's the picture of a God who is uninvolved and uninterested and unable and uncaring. But I don't believe in that kind of a God. I believe in a God who is sovereign. The Apostle Paul said, I am thoroughly persuaded that he is a God who is able to deliver all that I've given unto him. And I just believe in that kind of a God this morning. Now let me digress for just a moment. One of the things I notice in these days in the church is that so many people in the church seem to be preoccupied with the devil with Satan. Now, folks, evil is real. I, I don't deny that. There is evil in this world. But let me tell you this morning what the Bible says about Satan. The Bible says Satan is defeated. He is defeated. It's like a pot. It's like a pot of water that's been brought to boil, and you turn the heat off. Now, it continues to bubble and boil for a while, but the life has gone out of it. And of course, there's evil in the world. There's evil in men and in women, and, mo and most of the evil in our world is caused by human sinfulness. But evil has been conquered because our Lord is sovereign and God is still on the throne. That's what the Bible teaches us today. There's a great painting that's out. Perhaps you've seen it called Checkmate. It's the picture of a righteous person who's been playing chess with the devil. And in that great painting there, it's called Checkmate because the righteous person has made the final, decisive, victorious move, and the devil is defeated, and that's what our faith proclaims. It tells us the devil is defeated and Christians ought to be talking more about the sovereignty of God and the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we are not a community that lives in response to our fears. We are a community of faith. 
Now, I know there's a man by the name of William James who had a piece in which he talked about the drag of our fears, the drag of our fears. And you know, sometimes we have the tendency that if we don't have anything to be afraid of, we just kind of drag something up to be afraid of. That's kind of the way we are. And you and I cannot live with a sense of victory if we are preoccupied with our fears. You and I live by faith and we worship in a community of faith. But there's something else in the text this morning. The church is not only a community of faith, but the church is a community with a mission. Community with a mission. And we find that in the text. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. Let me remind us this morning, we do not spend all of our time in the church just receiving blessings. You and I are to be a blessing. Our mission is to tell the story, the story of our faith to others, reaching out to people who need that, whoever they are, wherever they may be. We are to be change agents, and you and I are to be blessed by God so that we can be different because we believe something that makes a difference in our world. We are a church, a community with a mission. And I believe there are individual dimensions to that mission. As a pastor, I am called many days, called upon it to enter into situations many of which I cannot identify with the people because I've never been there personally. But the fact that I go and the fact that I stand by those people says to them, I care. And the fact this morning that you and I can react in individual ways, we can fulfill that community of mission. Writer by the name of Wayne R. Oates tells of a time of a mother and father who brought their 15-year-old daughter, who was having a lot of trouble, brought them to him to try to see if he, he could give her some help. Well, she came in dressed like teenagers do, plopped down in the chair, crossed her legs, and seemed to be really nervous about the whole thing. And he greeted her and thanked her for coming. And she said, I have one question I want to ask you. And he said, well, go ahead, Marcia, go ahead and tell me what's on your mind. And this is what she said, and I quote, why is it that an old man like you is wasting your time talking to a young squirt like me? <laughs> he said, well, I, I thought for a moment, and then I said to her, Marcia, you are 15, and I'm 60. I'm four times older than you are. When I'm 90, and I plan to be 90, you'll be 45, and I'll be twice as old as you are. Then I will need you to come see me because I'm going to be an old man. And the fact is, I will need all the friends I can get when I'm your age. Well, she leaned back, and the tension sort of went out of her, and Wayne Oates reported that she said, oh man, you're something else. And he knew right then we were going to be friends. You see, it was that simple act of caring. 
And folks, many times, that's all people need to know. They need to know that we care. I'm going to tell you, one of the greatest joys of my ministry was to be able to sit down and write a short note and send it to someone in the congregation just to let them know that I cared. And one of the greatest joys I ever received as pastor was when I would receive a handwritten note from someone in the church family that would say to me in different ways, Pastor, we care. We care. And people need to know we care. And we have an individual responsibility in the community of faith, a responsibility to convey to others we really care. Maybe there's someone you need to drop a note to today. Maybe there's someone you need to call today. Maybe there's someone out there that just perhaps needs you to drop by and just let them know you care. The church is a community of mission, but also the church is a community of comfort. A community of comfort. The text of the morning and the the Apostle Paul says that the God is the God of all comfort. And in Christ's name and for his glory, we are to be a community of comfort. Do you know the root meaning of the word comfort? The root meaning of the word comfort means to fortify, to fortify. Let that that word lean against you for a moment today. When we comfort, we seek to fortify. When we fortify one who is suffering, who, who who needs us to care and strengthen them for what they're facing in life. Now, as I said a moment ago, I, I, I've been involved in many life situations where I just cannot identify. I admit this morning, I, I do not know how a person feels whose spouse has left them for another person. I've never been there. I, I cannot enter into that situation, but by my presence with that person, I can say to them, I care about you. And whatever my presence brings to you, I want to fortify you through that. I do not know this morning how it feels to lose a spouse, to wake up in the middle of the night and there's no one there, no no hand to touch, no person to complete what I've become through 56 years of marriage. But I suspect some of you here this morning have gone through that traumatic experience of losing your spouse. But even though I haven't experienced that, I can go to those who have experienced that and maybe my presence somehow will fortify them. I cannot remotely imagine this morning the agony, and I've seen it happen often as a pastor, the sheer agony of losing a child. I have two children. I've adored them since the day of their birth. I've watched their halting steps as they learn how to walk. Children whose babble gradually turn to understandable language, whose love and laughter touch new dimensions of my soul that never were touched before. How can I stand it? If their place were vacant in the family circle, 
I really don't know if I could, and I pray God I'll never face that. But I can go and be with those who are walking through the valley of shadows, and in that incredible, painful experience, I can care and can let them know that God cares for them to fortify them. Now, I do know what it's like to be able to only see out of one eye since birth. I have no direct vision in my left eye, some small peripheral vision, no direct vision. I do know how it feels to face one day when my good eye blurred and having to rush to Ohio State University clinic and have emergency surgery and weeks of follow-up with a deep fear that my eyesight would be gone. And I do know what it's like to, to live with accentuated uncertainty because of that situation. But I want to tell you, I also know what it feels like to have a church community come around me and care for me and pray for me and uplift me and help me and fortify me in that time. And I can tell you this. I know that my presence and your presence that one-on-one -on -one presence in such a time of challenge and grief, even when no words are spoken, can and does make a difference to someone. Paul Nisley is a distinguished teacher who wrote a book entitled Sweeping Up the Heart. Sweeping Up the Heart. The subtitle of the book is A Father's Lament for His Daughter. His daughter, Janelle, had just graduated from college and was killed when a driver lost control of his 18-wheeler and crushed her car and her. Paul Nisley tells in moving words how friends helped him. And, and folks, you know, it's not really what you say. You don't have to say a thing. But you just say it by being there. He, he writes on, on how on the first anniversary of that, that accident, Paul Nisley received a beautiful hand-designed card from a secretary. How he received notes from colleagues, flowers from friends of the family. To know that one is not forgotten is really a gracious blessing, a tremendous encouragement. Several former students could not have been more supportive, and a few of them became like family in that most remarkable way. You see, we are a community of comfort because all of us belong to each other, and we belong to Jesus Christ. And then there's something else here that you and I need to remember. This community that we call the church, we are a community of hope, of hope. The last verse of the text says it, and Phillips translates it this way. We have this experience of coming to the end of our tether or our rope. Now, now what did the Apostle Paul do in the middle of his conflict, in the middle of his pain, in the middle of his problems? Did the Apostle Paul quit? No, he kept on going because he was possessed by a living hope. 
Now, I believe this morning, he believed and I believe that nothing can separate us and those we love and those we cherish from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We are not separated today from those of our church family or our immediate family who have died in the past year or even in the past. They're waiting for the next chapter to unfold in the goodness and the grace of God. We are waiting here and they are waiting there, and God is present in both. Now, near the end of Paul Nisley's book, he tells of going to hear Bishop Raymond Charles, going to hear him preach the last sermon that Nisley would ever hear Bishop Charles preach. The bishop was dying with cancer. It was very weak, and the toll from that illness was very evident that day. But, but the bishop shared that day from his heart, shared the depth of his faith. He spoke with great honesty, telling the people there that he had more questions than he did answers about suffering. But at the bottom line of it all was he, that he trusted God. And what was shining through that morning as the old bishop preached was the power and the depth of his faith. At the end of the service, too weak to stand and greet the people, he sat back in his chair and mopped his brow and people kind of moved forward to talk to the bishop. Paul Nisley, as he moved forward in order to speak to the bishop, having been touched by the power of that witness, as Paul moved forward, he felt it compelled to tell the bishop about Janelle, his daughter, how he had loved and lost her, and how death had been a crushing burden to him. And when he got to the bishop, it just kind of all poured out of him as he leaned down and told him about it. And then he whispered in the bishop's ear, I think, I think you will see our daughter before we do. Tell her that we love her. The bishop grasped his hand and smiled and said, I'll be glad to deliver the message for you. Folks, it is that faith. It is that faith that we believe and we practice and we proclaim. It is that faith that we live in this community that we call the church. It is that faith that gives us hope all of us this morning are standing on the border between time and eternity, and my prayer is simply this, oh God, help us in this world that is full of despair and, and destruction and desperation and hopelessness. Help us until the journey is over to be models of a living hope that Christ and Christ alone can give to our world. Help us as your church to be a community of mission and of faith and of comfort and of hope to our world. We are Christ's community. And you are Christ's community here in Willard. May God help you be the kind of community of faith, the kind of community of trust and of hope that God wants us to be a mission to reach a world and touch them with the power of Christ. Will you bow with me for a moment? My prayer is God would help us to love him 
to love others, to serve the world, to be a community of faith, to be a community of mission and comfort, and a community of hope. Father, thank you this morning. We, we bow in your presence as we gather this morning. We have sensed you here in our music that has touched our heart and challenged us to love you and worship you for who you are, what you mean to us as your people. Thank you today. Thank you for your living presence that fills us as we sit here and as we worship, that will, that will help us as we go out from this place to be a community makes a difference. Draw us close. Help us, I pray. We, we heard Pastor James pray earlier today that you would give us the opportunity, you would bring across our pathway those opportunities to be able to witness for you. And I pray that in our witness, we will take, those, uh, to take responsibility in those opportunities and do the witnessing. And sometimes, Lord, out there when someone's hurting and someone is desperate, just by being there to communicate faith, to communicate Christ, to communicate who you are to our hurting world, I pray you'll help us be your church in these desperate days till Jesus comes. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. We are a community. God's put us here for a reason. Let's be the church. Would you stand with me? Now may the amazing grace of Jesus Christ, the marvelous, marvelous, incomprehensible love of God and the intimate fellowship of the Holy Spirit touch us all and be with us all today. And throughout this week, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day and a great week in the Lord this week.